The Forum at 8 with Polani Gwala. 10 minutes after 8, welcome to The Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. BRICS has come and gone. It was in Durban over the past two days at the Inkosi Albert Lutuli uh, International Convention Center. Uh, lots of discussions going on, but exactly what came out of it, that's the question. And uh, joining us this morning on the line to tell us about some of the outcomes then of the, of the BRICS summit, uh, the fifth BRICS summit that took place in Durban, is our finance minister, Provin Gordon. And Mr. Minister, good morning to you. Thank you for your time. Good morning, sir, and good morning to your listeners. Thank you very much. Mr. Minister, already a couple of emails have come through for you here, people asking questions. But before I get to the emails and the SMSs, from a South African point of view, and, and just putting aside the BRICS as, 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 as a group, uh, was this a success, and if so, what are the indicators? Well, in the first instance, uh, this is the first time that uh, South Africa as a member of BRICS has the opportunity to host a summit on its soil. And so you have the four other BRICS leaders joining President Zuma uh, for two days uh, for discussions amongst themselves, for uh, the processes of the summit itself, and then finally uh, the meeting with African leaders that that took place uh, yesterday. Secondly, uh, we we, uh, actually see in the fifth uh, uh, summit uh, a process of consolidation that's beginning, uh, some institutions being created, and on the financial side, which we are involved with, uh, we have one or two very clear projects that we are working on. So I think this is part of the growing up process of BRICS, part of the process of consolidating partnerships uh, within the BRICS environment, and beginning to build consensus amongst ourselves mm-hmm. that the main aim for a formation that represents some 3 billion people about that's 40 odd percent of uh, humanity. Uh, one of our key objectives as BRICS is to improve the living standards of uh, people in all our countries. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that we want to work as partners and uh, as equals in this environment, notwithstanding different sizes of population and an economy. Uh, thirdly, that we want to work on a basis uh, of, of mutual benefit and what, uh, what one leader called on a win-win basis. Hmm. So uh, we, we understand that uh, all of this is happening in a context where the world is undergoing phenomenal changes. I'm not sure how many of us uh, actually uh, appreciate that, uh, where economic influence and power is shifting from traditionally advanced countries towards, in the first instance, uh, eastern economies. Uh, where, secondly, uh, it's the bigger economies in the emerging world which are driving global growth Mm. and providing much of the impetus uh, for global growth, particularly uh, since the 2008 uh, recession. And for the next 20, 30, 40 years, that's going to be the case. Sure. Uh, Another scenario, finally, is uh, where does Africa fit in? Well, Africa might be a very small part of the global economy, but it's a very fast-growing uh, part of the global economy. And uh, in the next 10 to 15 years, you'll see uh, Africa playing a more uh, prominent role in these formations because we still have in Africa the youngest population and, and so on. And maybe finally, finally, as we would say, <laughs> is uh, where does South Africa fit in? And often uh, we take a pessimistic view of ourselves, but uh, we should appreciate that on, on the world scale, on a number of areas, we are either number one, number two, number three, or number four. So 
our stock exchange uh, regulation is number one in the world. In terms of our legal services, financial system, we're number one to four in the world. Mm. In the world, not just compared to developing countries. So like that, South Africa has many strengths to offer the BRICS formation, notwithstanding the fact that we're not a billion people, but we certainly uh, are the biggest economy on the African continent, and we have much to offer both to the world and to Africa, and in the process ensure that South Africans benefit from this uh, uh, series of changes that are happening. Now, that's exactly the whole point, because everyone is saying, look, there are these changes that you're articulating, Minister, um, uh, including, of course, uh, what is happening in Europe. And one one of the uh, symbolic things about this uh, summit was that it happened exactly the same day as there was this big problem in Cyprus, which indicates the problems that Europe is facing. But the summit came and went, and, and people are not able to see any concrete steps that says this is what BRICS then is going to do in order to step in that vacuum, vacuum that is created by the problems that are facing uh, Eurozone? History doesn't unfold in one-step processes. History unfolds through a number of steps over a period of time. So if we go back uh, 20 years, China wasn't the second biggest economy in the world. Uh, Nobody would have said that uh, India and China are going to be in the top three uh, of the global economies in the next 10 years or sooner. Uh, nobody would have thought that uh, it's the developing countries that would be leading global growth uh, in, in the current uh, post-crisis environment. So it's only when you look back at, at some of these events that you begin to understand where they fit in uh, historically. Uh, and I think we need to do a lot more, uh, certainly on our side, and perhaps you as well, uh, to inform our public uh, as to where do these processes fit in, uh, what bigger processes are at play, and uh, how uh, things change uh, in, in historical terms. So some two to three hundred years ago, China was the biggest economy in the world. And in an interesting way, uh, in the next, I think, less than ten years, China will be the biggest economy in the world again. But remember, our aim is not about economic size. Our aim is that all seven billion people in the world must actually enjoy decent living, living standards. All our children must have proper education, proper health, proper job opportunities. Our business people must have business opportunities. We don't want uh, any form of extraordinary dominance by anybody in this environment. And uh, benefits must be shared by everyone uh, in a society. So interestingly, uh, last night I see that in a debate in the United States, uh, the Federal Reserve, which is the equivalent of our Reserve Bank, uh, has a few of its members uh, raising some questions about inequality in the United States and uh, how inequality might be reinforced by macroeconomic policies, in particular in this instance monetary policy, and what should uh, the bank do, the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, about uh, some of these things. So every in, in the current environment, as you correctly point out, every day, every week, there's something new happening which either shows up new possibilities and opportunities or it shows up weaknesses like Cyprus did uh, within an existing arrangement. Yeah, but Minister, uh, then there was a promise, uh, among other things, that, in fact, maybe to take it back to Delhi, where there was another, the, the fourth BRIC summit that then uh, mandated the ministers, finance ministers in particular, to look at the possibility of the establishment of the uh, BRICS Development Bank. 
It comes to Durban, and people are expecting modalities, are expecting information uh, as part of the consolidation of the institutions. But it came and went. No concrete information about the location, the contributions, and so on, Minister. Why? If you and half a dozen others decided to establish a bank, mm-hmm. are you going to do it in one year? Certainly not. Are you going to get all details? Are you going to get all details sorted out in one year? So let me explain both yeah. to you and, and to our public. Firstly, uh, in, in Delhi, we had a mandate given to finance ministers that uh, you must report to us at the next summit, which is the summit that took place in Durban on the feasibility and viability of this bank. That's all we were required to, to, to report on. There were extensive uh, discussions that took place both at a finance minister's level and at an official's level during the course of the year. We report back to our leaders that we believe it is both feasible and viable. Mm-hmm. We also indicate to them that there are a number of details we've already discussed, that it will take a little bit more time to clarify all of the details uh, like the ones that you are mentioning. So it's not as if these haven't been discussed, but some of them we've been able to finalize. Others are in the process of being finalized. So we have two milestones ahead of us. The first is when G20 leaders meet, and BRICS leaders will meet on that occasion as well, in St. Petersburg in September. That's just six months away. And at this meeting, we will give as finance ministers a further report to our leaders on progress that has been made. And the second milestone is in a year from now when Brazil hosts the next summit. And uh, at that summit, we hope we will have most of the details resolved. And so in, 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 a, in, a, in a period of less than three years, we have, in fact, made very significant process. Hmm. And you can compare this to any other process in the world, uh, and you'll find that nothing moves as, as, as fast. So we're fairly optimistic that we've covered a lot of ground. There's still lots of negotiations to take place. And yesterday, the leaders mandated us to continue with those discussions and negotiations, which is what we will do. It has, I must point out, it has uh, sparked some speculations that uh, the fact that there weren't any details then uh, expected coming out of this summit is that maybe there may be uh, differences of opinion, maybe deeper differences of opinion about how to handle some of the contentious issues such as the location and, of course, the contributions. No, I mean, uh, I, I don't know why they have to be deep differences and contentious issues. If you have five people sitting around a table representing five countries and representing different interests, uh, they would all have their particular perspectives from their own national interest point of view and global interest point of view on each of the issues uh, uh, that, that we are talking about. So, you know, the most contentious issue would have been, do we need a bank like this or not? And we've passed that hurdle. And do we uh, instruct our finance ministers now to go out there and work out the details? We've passed that test as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we all look for negatives, certainly the media. And uh, I don't think this is uh, the time for negatives. This is the time for us to say, here's a new opportunity. And let, let me in a minute explain what I think are those opportunities. Yeah. And let's grab those opportunities. Let's organize ourselves, whether we are... NGOs or business people or trade unions or ordinary citizens, and uh, don't expect this one opportunity to solve all of our problems. It's one among hundreds of opportunities that we will have to learn to grab and take advantage of and use to our benefit. Now, what is the benefit? On the one hand, 
when BRICS leaders sit together, they, they begin to uh, look at their own country environments, and when they put the numbers together, they say, look, we, we actually require somewhere between 2 and $4 trillion in order to meet our infrastructure requirements. In Africa alone, the number is uh, somewhere between 100 and 200 billion uh, U.S. dollars a year, right? And uh, uh, that, that over a 20-year period is what's going to be required to bring uh, Africa's infrastructure up to the levels that we would think is, is appropriate. Secondly, that kind of money is not available in existing institutions, which I'm sure you're going to come to that question, mm. uh, such as the World Bank and Regional Bank. So this process is about complementing those institutions and mobilizing more resources. Thirdly, this is about saying that many countries amongst the BRICS formation have, let's call it surplus cash in simple terms. And in the first instance, can we mobilize those resources, private sector, public sector, in order to invest in infrastructure? And uh, uh, in, uh, in addition to that, we need to give this bank, as you would understand, credibility uh, by making sure that it is financially sound, that it receives what uh, would be a triple-A rating, which means that it can mobilize funds fairly cheaply from outside uh, of the BRICS countries themselves. And perhaps the final point at this stage is that there are trillions of dollars that are circulating around the world every single day looking for profit to yield. And one of the things that the BRICS leaders are very intent upon is that those uh, trillions of dollars look for short-term gains. What we are now looking at is how can you uh, get investment in 20-year and 30-year projects, whether they be dam or hydroelectric uh, power stations mm -hmm. or railways across the African continent and roads across the African continent, so that that footloose capital is now enabling billions of people to uh, raise their standards of living to middle-class levels, yeah. to become effective consumers, to increase the demand level in the globe as a whole. And macroeconomically, this will make a phenomenal difference in five or ten years' time to the kind of world that we have. Sure, let, let me pick up exactly on that issue. Uh, before, by the way, I go to the lines on 0891104208, 0891104208, because some have argued, Minister, that uh, development finance is really not uh, one of our big problems, particularly in South Africa. We have these development finance institutions, such as the IDC, the, the Development Bank of Southern Africa, uh, and the African Development Bank, that actually, in reality, um, w w we're not short when it comes to development finance. That's not true. Uh, that's not true. Uh, if, we, if we have more uh, money, uh, we, we can certainly get more projects off the ground because, uh, again, there's, there's a huge gap between demand and supply. But secondly, uh, what you're hinting at is, is, is a matter that we are also focusing on, and that is how do you build capability on the African continent which enables us to take the concept of a particular infrastructure project from concept level to delivery level in the shortest possible time. And one of the key deficiencies that uh, we find amongst ourselves is what we call project preparation capability, both the money that allows us to do it and the skills that allow us to do it. And so we've been talking to the World Bankers, uh, several countries on the continent for some time now, to say establish those capabilities on the African continent. We don't want experts to come from Washington or anywhere else to really help us on a project-by-project project basis. And this is one area where African Development Bank, the DBSA, and other actors 
uh, cooperating with one another in order to increase our capability. It's also an area where some of the BRICS countries have indicated that they will train up to 400 people a year uh, from different African countries in order to increase our capabilities uh, in, in this regard. So implementation and project preparation is certainly part of the challenge, but, you know, we have a, a, a proud record. South Africa will probably have the best infrastructure on the African continent. We did produce our uh, World Cup stadia in time. We'll forget about the cost factor for now. And uh, we've shown capabilities on, on the delivery side, which we need to expand on a phenomenal scale in order to truly use our money effectively. And on that point, I agree with you. All right. Let me take some calls here, Minister. Let's start with Eddie in Edenvale. Eddie, good morning. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Hi, welcome. I just want to say that I've never been as proud to be a South African as, as I am now with, uh, with our country hosting this BRICS conference. I think it's going to be uh, the tipping point, uh, you know, where we're going to g- gain tremendous advantages from, uh, f- from being part of this club. We didn't ask to be, to be a member of this club. We were invited because these great nations uh, recognized our capabilities and so on. And it's a big raspberry to all the doomsayers that look for everything wrong. We, we've got to get away from this Western and uh, American and European hegemony and rating agencies and World Bank into, uh, and so on that, uh, that, that, have, that are so, uh, making our country disadvantaged. And I, th- I think this is, uh, this is going to be a big step forward. Thank you very much. That's Eddie in Edenvale. Uh, I suppose, Minister, that's the kind of call that you'd welcome. Oh, absolutely. And that, that, I think, Eddie should become the flag bearer of uh, a new spirit of optimism that we need in South Africa. And the one appeal I must continue to make is we have many things that are going well for us. Let's start focusing on the positive. You know, uh, too many of us think we can make money by being negative and by being pessimistic and by being purveyors of uh, negativity. That's not going to help us to... Uh, meet the challenges both within our own country, but also, more importantly, uh, the kind of opportunities that we have. And Eddie is absolutely right uh, that this is not the time for doomsayers and uh, negativity, that instead we should recognize, as he correctly points out, that the globe is undergoing change, and South Africa must be agile, must be responsive, and must be united, uh, both to take uh, opportunities externally to itself and fit in with the changes that are happening. But more importantly, make sure that we get more coherence within the country in order that we can use the money we have effectively and change the lives of ordinary people in South Africa and give them much more economic opportunities. Let's take some more calls then. Uh, Maybe I should read one or two emails. Uh, There's one from Lindor who says, Neither China nor West nor BRICS will invest in terms of either COSATU or AA or BE rules, uh, which is why BRICS foreigners can use their own labor. Uh, Another one came through from Spio and KZN. They must tell us that uh, we are struggling to service the current bill uh, debt. We can't pay bill ETOL's debt. Uh, Where will we get the bill to pay for BRICS bank? Uh, If the minister is worried about inequality, Quality, then he and his colleagues must grab NDP because it does not address inequality, but perhaps unemployment and poverty. Uh, another one says a BRICS bank by the USA uh, is, is what this is. Another one, we should realize that India and China are desperate for Africa's resources, so we have the power, and these deals are bad for us, says an SMS not signed. Let's go to Mike in Newlands. Hello, Mike. 
Hello, Scalani, and uh, good morning, Minister. I hope you're well. Go ahead, please, Mike. Yeah. Good morning. Thank, thank you very much. I just want to also agree with Eddie from Edenville. I'm also very proud. I think you've done extremely well, and I don't underestimate the amount of work that's done behind the scenes. But unlike Eddie, I'm just a little bit nervous that we are wearing rose-tinted glasses, Minister. I think it's vital that when we're going to build this new South Africa and we're going to take full advantage of the BRICS opportunities, that we have a foundation, Minister, that is solid. And we're not seeing that at the moment in our government. You know, I'm just going to touch on two simple issues. We've got, Minister, 98 RDMPs in Parliament that are guilty of corruption and remain in the highest office of the land. I don't think the BRIC countries are, the BRIC, uh, countries are really going to buy this one. You know, we've got 30 to 40 billion, Minister, which sadly flows out of the fiscus into the corrupt pockets of civil servants in this country. This is a fact that's been discussed in Parliament. Now, I always ran my business, Minister, on, a, on an honest business on the basis that my staff saw me being honest, they would be honest. And by and large, that worked because I believe that if you were dishonest, you would be open to blackmail and eventually people would steal from you anyway because they would see your business is ultimately going to collapse. So I think the thing we've got to do, Minister, is get our country on a clean slate. And the first thing we have to do is deal with the, the crooked MPs that we have in Parliament. Dismiss them immediately. Imagine, Minister, what a message that would send out of South Africa. Right. I would go so far, Minister, as to say that you know, we wouldn't even need the BRICS countries. If we could prove that South Africa is an honest country to do business with, I think, as you rightly say, those trillions that are out there would be lining up to invest in our country. But okay. we've got to have honesty first and foremost. Thanks, Kalani. All right, Mike and Newlands, thank you very much. Uh, I've got Anne in Somerset West on the line, also Komuto in Leondale. Uh, I'll take more of your calls, 0891 Emails as well coming in at guala at sabc.co.za. The finance minister will respond. Uh, but let's take updates first. We'll go, we'll go to the news from Vavak. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. It is 24 to 9. We're talking to Finance Minister Pravin Gordon, talking about the uh, BRICS summit. It was concluded in Durban yesterday, a two-day summit taking place at the Inkosi Albert Lutuli uh, International Convention Center. And we're taking your thoughts then on what you heard from the summit and, of course, also what you've heard from the minister this morning. Your thoughts on 0891 I'll be looking at the emails as well at guala, exodusabc.co.za. Uh, let me go to Anne in Somerset West. She's been holding for a while. And good morning. Morning. Um, I, I know this is not the subject you're doing very well, but I'm very concerned of the constantly increasing taxes on petrol, causing huge inflation. And I've seen it with people I know; uh, they just don't have enough money to live anymore. And I'm sure that's the reason why we're having so many strikes. Um, is it necessary to keep taxing petrol? All right, the minister will respond. Uh, he's, he's the right person to respond. And thank you very much in Somerset West. But before the minister does so, uh, let's go to another... In fact, let me take this email here. It comes from Kwezi. It says, uh, I'm all for BRICS as the underlying intentions are good and economical. Uh, but we're not ready for this BRICS. We are 10 years ahead of our times. Before you enter any relationship, you must first get your personal issues in order and then enter into that relationship. It is like uh, an A-plus girl student getting into a relationship with a rich sugar daddy. Their objectives are different, and the little girl ends up finding herself under undue pressure, and that spoils the whole relationship. That's a view from Kwesi Jonas. Right, Minister, uh, your thoughts on Mike and and what uh, um, Kwesi is saying on email? On, on, on Mike, uh, you've said many times on your show, Kalani, that uh, uh, corruption is certainly uh, something that all of us need to get rid of. In the budget speech, I said very clearly that uh, this view that we have, that it's only politicians and civil servants who are corrupt, is not correct. 
So if whatever bullion runs is disappearing from the fiscus, there's business people on the other side. And so uh, let's see, how do we solve this problem? Yeah. The problem, as uh, I think some of our Chinese colleagues have been pointing out, has been with humanity from the time uh, that humanity found itself on, on Earth. And uh, many countries are, are grappling with this problem, and I, I agree with Mike that we have to do the same. But what we require is first the society as a whole to say we look down upon people who engage in corruption, who benefit in corruption, and who lead an ostentatious life as a result of improper benefits being derived from uh, engagements with the state. Secondly, we need a business sector that says that we will engage only in ethical business, as Mike says he does. Thirdly, we need to constantly improve our own safeguards within the fiscal system to ensure that we spend taxpayers' money well and minimize the possibilities of corruption uh, and to whatever extent it's possible eliminate it uh, in, in a way in which uh, taxpayers can be satisfied that their money is being used well and continuously update, for example, our procurement systems mm -hmm. and processes in order to do that. And that's one of the things that we've committed to uh, in, in, in our latest budget, and uh, we'll see some results. But these things will take time, and it's important that we continue to discuss the issue of corruption. But please, don't only point fingers in one direction. Yeah. All of us need to make a contribution uh, to tackling this problem. Uh, on Quasi's on, on point, uh, it, it's a fair warning that, you know, we need to be careful what partners we get into. But Quasi, what you're going to find in life is that you don't shape everything that actually happens in your life. You know, sometimes you do meet... Uh, uh, a man or a woman, uh, maybe a few years younger or a few years older, and after waiting many, many years, you suddenly find that there's a rapport that you've never had before, and you say, ah, I think I have a life partner. Now, in, in, in relationships between countries and in an environment that is so rapidly changing around the world, we've got to seize whatever opportunities we have as South Africa, both for our own national interests, but more importantly, uh, or equally importantly, in the interest of the African continent. I believe that we do have uh, capability. I believe that if we mobilize uh, all of the wisest people and the cleverest people in South Africa, we can match anybody around the world. But the key amongst us in, as South Africans is get over our divisiveness mm -hmm. and get over our sense of separation from one another. And let's find some common purpose. That is where I disagree with your earlier email uh, Kalani, about the NDP and this negativity about the National Development Plan. This is the one plan that actually can take us significantly forward in the next 20 years. And we should not make it uh, the ground upon which we now start having silly ideological fights and contestations. Let's talk about concrete things. How do we better deliver housing? How do we better deliver education and health? How do we improve uh, the service offering that public servants have to actually offer? How do we get uh, communities to actually make sure that uh, the, uh, they, they apply the kind of pressure that's uh, going to make everybody accountable? Mm. Uh, what one of the current trade unions are doing 
in putting out big adverts to create divisions around the national development plan is not helpful at all. Not helpful at all. We are just fighting silly ideological battles that the general public of South Africa is not interested in. They want all of us to work together. They want all of us to commit to concrete goals that we can actually deliver upon. And I think that if we focus on, on the positive, uh, we'll, we'll actually do much better for ourselves and can look back on, on, on many successes. On Anne's point around uh, taxes on petrol, I think it's important that uh, we, we share with Anne and your listeners that there are many factors that are impacting upon uh, the petrol price at the moment. In the first instance, we don't have uh, our own oil suppliers, so we buy oil from other countries which means that we buy oil and pay for them uh, in dollars, but it, at the moment uh, the oil price is still uh, around the $110, $120 mark, and it uh, hasn't been coming down below $100. So that means that the oil price in dollars is high. The second factor that's impacting on this is our exchange rate. The rand has weakened significantly, as a result of both external phenomena, for example, in Europe, but also internal phenomena such as the strikes and the uh, disruption in, in the mining industry uh, that we've had for various reasons. And uh, uh, the, our inability to uh, get back to the export levels of our minerals, which will then help our current account uh, balance, so to speak. Now, so as the rand becomes weaker against the dollar, as we go closer or above uh, nine rounds to the dollar, mm. uh, what we're going to find is that we have to put more rounds on the table in order to pay for the same dollar of oil. In addition to that, of course, we have, we have taxes. Uh, but those taxes are not the sole determinant of uh, what the petrol price is doing. Our system in South Africa is one which says, as prices change and as the exchange rate changes, we will make the adjustments immediately Otherwise, uh, as happened in the past, you have huge shocks where you have many runs upwards and many runs downwards as, as part of the adjustment. Sure. Uh, but we'll certainly watch this carefully, Anne, and see uh, if there's anything that we can do about it. All right. Let's take some more calls. 891 Joseph is with the National Council of Trade Unions. Hello, Joseph. Good morning, Colas. Hi, Mr. McCagney. Yes, yes. Ahead, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yes. Just to... Three contributions. First, I think Minister Godwin, we, as, as the labor movement, and uh, I think we have heard our voice, we welcome the establishment of the development bank. We also welcome the notion, if that is still consensus there, that it must go to the least developed country amongst the Brits. We also say, uh, Minister, the funding so that the governments, which are representing people of these countries, must do the funding. Because if you go to the private sector, you will be talking of the shareholding part of it. And also, we are also saying on our part is that the labor movement, I think you are aware, we have submitted some, not necessarily memorandums, uh, contribution, how these things should be done, not only the development bank, but otherwise we are with you guys. And, and, and we are also aware that these things take time. We should not rush on them. We need it, but uh, in, in Brazil, at least we come up with some, a lot of contribution towards establishing this bank. 
thank you so much. All right, that's Joseph of the National Council of Trade Unions. Uh, thanks indeed. Uh, let me read one uh, one email. It came through from Opa Tasanyana, who says, Morning, Minister, what is the guarantee that ordinary business people will benefit from BRICS business trading? Or do they have first to join the Progressive Business Council, which is known to be close to the ruling party? That's a view from Opa Tasanyana in Sabokeng on email. Uh, and uh, let me read some SMSs here before uh, I get responses from the minister. Uh, there's one that talks about, okay, why do Russia, uh, India, and China not have any immigration problems? Um, but also somebody says, uh, I want to find out if environmental issues were addressed and what is going to be done with the crippling imports from China. That's Khmutso uh, uh, on SMS. Timeli Ntohyando says, uh, from the screens, Cuba seems like a country trapped in underdevelopment, but is it? Um, another one says, are we on the brink of the end of the world? The BRICS Bank and its sister corporations like their kin, the World Bank, uh, will surely shackle our country with debts uh, that we'll never be able to pay. BRICS is just a catalyst uh, to ravage minerals and deny our future generations uh, lively, uh, livelihoods. And uh, that SMS is not signed. Um, just these SMSs, then, if you may, uh, for me, uh, Minister. No, in the first instance, uh, you know, one of the uh, outcomes of this summit is that we now have a BRICS Business Council where both big business and small businesses have an opportunity at each of these summits and outside of these summits to meet their counterparts from other parts of the world. And ultimately, what we are doing is providing a forum where these interactions can take place, and it's up to the business people to use their capabilities, innovations, and what and their offerings to uh, inverted commas do deals uh, that that will interest them. Uh, if uh, the person who sent the message about uh, his concerns or her concerns about the Black Business Council, I don't think they would agree with this observation. But uh, please contact their CEO and some of the senior people uh, on the Black Business Council and uh, let them know what they could do to help uh, you and, and open up their doors if you think they, they are inadequately opened. On the environment issue, you know, this has been a constant theme. You know that uh, Brazil last year hosted the uh, Rio Conference on Sustainable Development, and uh, one of the uh, themes that all the leaders have spoken about is that we want both economic development and social development to happen in an environmentally sustainable way. And, you know, uh, there are concerns throughout the world today that uh, all countries can't grow at very high levels or consume at a very high level uh, because the earth has limited resources. And I think this is perhaps a topic for a different show, Tolani, uh, that you might want to pick up as certainly, well. Certainly, yeah. And on imports from, from China, this is something that our trade minister is, is certainly looking at. Uh, we're doing everything possible at, at uh, border posts, the South African Revenue Service, to uh, limit uh, illicit imports from any country. Uh, and I think uh, one of the points I made right at the beginning is uh, that we want a win-win outcome of any, in any relationship. And it's something that we have to work hard at and ensure that in as much as countries want to export to South Africa, that uh, these markets are also open to South African 
uh, enterprises that want to export from South Africa uh, to these countries. On the question of, of debt, um, we as a government and as the National Treasury are very careful about debt. Uh, we share any concern which says that we don't want too much of debt. But uh, as we said during the budget and uh, many times before, that uh, debt in South Africa is still within controllable levels, uh, that uh, we have a long-term plan to make sure that we remain sustainable and are able to pay back the money that we actually borrow. Uh, but we should also know as South Africans that uh, although uh, some 90% of the money we spend as a government uh, comes from uh, our own taxes, we do borrow 10, 12, 15% depending on, on a particular year, both from South Africans themselves and from outside of South Africa. Mm. And uh, the, the key for us is to grow our economy, uh, get more taxpayers created, both as individuals and as businesses, increase our revenue base so that uh, we are able to have more revenue of our own and are able to pay back debt on the one hand, uh, but also ensure that we rely upon our own resources. If I may, Pralani, I want to take this opportunity to remind all business people uh, and others who have money due to the South African Revenue Service that today effectively is the last day of our financial year as a, as a government, hmm. 28th of March, because the 31st uh, falls over the Easter weekend. Yeah. And uh, I would encourage all of you uh, to pay uh, whatever is due in PAYE, in VAT, or in income tax uh, to the Revenue Service so that when we close our books on the 31st of March, we are able to say that all the money that was due to the Revenue Service did come in. So an appeal to all of your listeners and beyond as well. Fantastic. All right, then let's uh, quickly go to Yaj uh, in Cape Town. Hello, Yaj. Hi, morning, Polani. Hi. Good morning to the Minister. Uh, I agree and fully support this uh, idea of a BRICS development bank, but we don't have to wait for that to be established. We can do a lot more by establishing a network of state-owned banks, public-owned banks, retail deposit-taking banks, not the development bank or the DBSA or the land bank, but banks that can provide competition to the private banks locally. They can provide capital for the green economy, for development and productive enterprise. We don't have to wait for this BRICS development bank. We can generate a capital of our own locally, where the profits from interest go back into public coffers. Secondly, on the RAND issue, we need to have a financial transaction tax to stabilize the RAND to tax speculation, and we can use it as a levy on all transactions to replace income tax and VAT. Mm, all right, uh, that's Yaj. Thank you very much in Cape Town. Minister? Uh, Yaj, of course, uh, makes some of these points very regularly each time I'm on the show, and I'm sure on other people's shows as well. Sure. So on, on the financial transaction tax, we've said to Yaj before that, in fact, we do have some of these financial transaction tax. We have a tax on the shares that are exchanged over uh, in, in the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Uh, for example. But we will constantly review our position and see if there are possibilities for other forms uh, of transaction taxes as well. And when appropriate, uh, we we will see whether we need to actually uh, introduce them. Uh, On the question of competition, uh, we will certainly agree that we require 
competition, not just in the banking environment, but many other environments in South Africa, so that small and medium business enterprises have an opportunity, whilst at the same time ensuring that where it is appropriate, we have national champions, uh, large companies that can hold their own uh, on the African continent and in other parts of the world. And I think what we are looking for is the right balance between, uh, if you like, companies that are national champions and are based in South Africa and have a global and African reach on the one hand, uh, and on the other hand, ensure that we have enough space in our economy for small and medium-sized businesses to grow and thrive as well. A couple of SMSs, uh, just uh, responding, Minister, to that issue about the petrol price, and it's uh, totally expected, uh, given the fact that it's going to be a record uh, price of petrol then from next week. Lee, for instance, talking about that issue that you raised of, the, of where the rand is, saying, uh, but does it betray my ignorance, Minister, of economics to ask why not fix the rate of the rand, says Lee? Yeah, it's, it's another complex area, but uh, essentially uh, the RAND acts as a buffer. It acts as a mechanism which can, if you like, it's like a shock absorber in a car. Um, if you have too many people in the back seat, the shock absorber compresses and takes the, uh, the weight. If you don't have enough people in the back seat, then it takes on a different posture. So the RAND is, is, is the mechanism through which we can absorb uh, shocks uh, in, in the overall economy. And today in the world, uh, there are very few, uh, let's call it managed currencies, uh, and uh, that comes with its own problems. You must also have huge resources to um, back uh, any management of a currency. South Africa, what is it, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, or more, tried to do it. Um, it happened, I think, in 1985, and it happened subsequently as well. And when the new government came in, in 1994, we had a debt of some 20-odd billion dollars uh, that we actually had to pay off. And uh, countries around the world have learned that uh, these things cost money. Now, there are some countries that have huge reserves going into hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars, and uh, they have a different kind of capability. Uh, but even there, the, the world at large will say, uh, let's have a more uh, balanced deal. And one of the challenges for us uh, in, in the global economy is that uh, on this question of, of uh, exchange rates and, and the currency and capital flows, mm. we still, still don't have a global deal that will excuse me, ensure that uh, uh, any effort to depreciate one currency in one part of the world uh, doesn't happen in a unilateral way uh, with negative effects on the rest of the world. And uh, that's, some, it's a, that's a formula that we're still searching for in uh, multilateral flow for us, such as the G20. And, and another one from Anthony, uh, also related to the petrol issue, was why do we pay for petrol South Africa makes in dollars? I suppose people are raising quite a lot of also, uh, questions about Cecil's involvement here. Uh, well, Cecil, I think I don't have the details, uh, but I think it might be useful to have representatives of the Treasury and the Department of Energy uh, on your show, Tolani, uh, so that they can actually... Uh, explain technical details around this, and the uh, Department of Energy can be given an opportunity uh, to explain 
how they manage uh, petrol prices, and the Treasury officials can explain mm. uh, how the different levies work uh, and, and so on. Uh, SASO does make a contribution, but I don't think its capacity is such that it can meet all of our requirements. Okay. Right, fair enough. Uh, I've really got to wrap it up here, and thank you, Minister, for your time this morning. Thanks indeed for the hour. Thank you, uh, Kalani, and to your listeners. And, and please, one message. Let's stop being uh, pessimistic. There are lots of opportunities for us in the world. We've got to be bold enough and united enough to seize those opportunities. And increasingly, all of us need to make a contribution towards speaking with one united voice and acting in a united way so that we can meet our goals in South Africa. Thank you very much. Thank you, Finance Minister Pravin Gordon. Thanks indeed for your time. Um, thank you very much for contributions as well to the program, the SMSs, uh, the emails, as well as the calls. Thanks indeed for listening as well. Uh, I shall be back then tomorrow to those who will be driving long distances. Rob was, re- was reporting a little earlier on about uh, the amount of cars that already, the number of cars that are already driving, particularly towards uh, Durban and others driving towards Maria. Please take it easy if you are on the road. Uh, let me thank our team as well who put it all together for us this day. Our producers, Mesho Shandlale, uh, Tracy Bumgard, Swongile Ntlapo, Ronald Piri, Sengi Mabaso, Senior producer, Zinat Abdul, as well as Lungile Mabaso, Technical producer, Judy Mutupi, Forum 8 producers, Jake Mukoma and Mandi Samkelu, Executive producers, Busi Chane and Oprisi Chia. My name is Golana Gwala. I shall talk to you again then tomorrow, 6 to 9 here. In fact, 7 to 9 here on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We'll take the news at 9. Afterwards, Buyombu is standing by with Monarch Talk here on SFM. Stay tuned. Cheers.